Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church and School right here in the heart of Chicago. I pray that you find hope and peace in the message of Christ and Him crucified for you in your life right now. Thank you for listening. And please, if you'd like to support the mission going on right here, uh, please go to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org to donate. Thank you. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the reasons that Christmas is just so easy to enjoy is because of the plethora of content that we have that's all focused around the holiday, right? Christmas movies are inescapable around this time of year. And there's some really great ones that always continually recur in the Keating household, right? Movies like Elf, movies like It's a Wonderful Life, movies like A Christmas Carol, all reliably end up within our rotation of movies. And even though we usually watch the Muppets version of A Christmas Carol, I wanted to talk a little bit about Ebenezer Scrooge, because I find him and Charles Dickens, what he's trying to communicate there, absolutely fascinating. In the book version, not the Muppets version, Charles Dickens describes Ebenezer Scrooge as an old sinner. And really the whole project of the book is interested in his reclamation, right? his salvation at the end of the day. Listen to how he describes Scrooge at the beginning of the book. Dickens says, He was a tight-fisted, hand-at-the-grindstone Scrooge, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous, old sinner, hard and sharp as flint from which no steel had ever struck out generous fire, secret and self-contained and solitary as an oyster. The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, shriveled his cheek, stiffened his gait, made his eyes red, his thin lips blue, and spoke out shrewdly in his grating voice. So obviously when we encounter him at the beginning of the story, right, we are rightly frightened and terrified of this person, right? This person has become twisted over the years, given his status as an old sinner, right? Someone who is entirely focused on himself. And within the Christian church, we would say he's actually a really good example of a phrase, Latin phrase, homo incurvatus se, meaning man turned in on himself, right? Once man is turned in on himself, we'd say that's really the root of all of the then sin that kind of just ends up described there in front of us, right? He shut himself off from the outside world. When we would say as Christians, we're called to be in community, right? In fellowship with one another. That helps to guide and form us both spiritually and just, you know, normally, right? In our day-to-day experience. And what I love then is the way that the Muppets describe Ebenezer Scrooge. They say, there goes Mr. Outrage, there goes Mr. Sneer. He has no time for friends or fun. His anger makes that clear. Don't ask him for a favor, because his nastiness increases. No crust of bread for those in need. No cheeses for us Mises. When somebody is totally self-absorbed in this way that Scrooge is, often what's required then is a conversion moment, right? A moment that will shake one out of apathy and reorient yourself towards the things of God, right? Think St. Paul on the road to Damascus, right? A dramatic encounter with Christ is required to reorient Saul turned Paul toward the things of God, towards forgiveness, towards life, towards salvation. And this is exactly what happens within A Christmas Carol, right? The ghost of Marley provides that impetus, right? That dramatic encounter on the road to Damascus, so to speak, for Scrooge. And it's interesting what Marley bemoans, especially in the book version. And listen to how this resonates with what we talk about during the Christmas season as Christians. 
His ghost bemoans, why did I walk through crowds of fellow beings with my eyes turned down, never raised them to that blessed star that led the wise men to a poor abode where no poor homes there to which light would have conducted me. In other words, why did I not hear the Christmas message? Why did I not follow the example of the wise men, people who saw the star and went to encounter Christ Jesus, born to us in the manger that night? Why did I not go to that place where my heart would have been mended, where I would have been forgiven, changed entirely by this gift of Christ Jesus, born to us at Christmas, and once again become oriented towards God and therefore towards my fellow man? So throughout then the rest of the story, Scrooge kind of embarks on this dark night of the soul, right? He's forced to once again look away from self-obsession, to look away from his ways of the past, and now look toward his neighbor, right? So his experience with his neighbor, right? His encounter with his fellow man, and I think in Deccans' mind, his fellow Christian, right? Will now change Ebenezer Scrooge, right? So whether it's you know, Mr. Fezziwig in the past, or whether it's his nephew Fred or his employee Bob Cratchit, Scrooge at the end of the day is forced to see the, God, the people whom God has placed within his life to care for, to love, to nurture, etc. So all these kind of ghosts ultimately are just reminding him of his vocation, right? That he's been given these people to love, to care for, both in his vocation as an employer, but also just in his vocation as a member of community, right? As a person that lives and dwells alongside other people. So what then does Scrooge find by going on this adventure? Well, of course, he rediscovers virtues that are deeply Christian in nature, deeply Christian in nature, right? He becomes a friend to the friendless, right? He becomes somebody who's caring for those in need, almost a physician of sorts, right? Think about how Bob Cratchit and Tiny Tim highlight this very idea, right? These Christological virtues, right? That first of all, obviously, Scrooge is to care for them, but then these characters in and of themselves become fascinating um, insights into the Christian life, into our vocation as Christians, right? Bob remarks that Tiny Tim wanted people in church to see him because then they might remember their Savior who made the blind to see and the lame to walk. And what I love about this is that this, this person, Tiny Tim, this innocent one who suffers, in fact wants to be an icon that points us towards the one who provides not just temporary healing, although he does that, but also towards life itself, right? Tiny Tim is basically pointing us towards Christ Jesus, saying, as distressing as it is to encounter one who suffers now, look towards the hope that's provided in the resurrection. I stumbled across a quote earlier this week, and it was actually by Mother Teresa, where he talk, she talked about going around the streets of Calcutta and saying that suffering distresses the Christian. Why? Because Jesus says, when you clothe the homeless, when you care for the poor, you're in fact caring for me. So therefore, when we see suffering, we're seeing Christ in his most distressing form put before us. And I think that's very present here in the Christmas Carol story, right? That we're seeing Christ Jesus at work, even as we see him through the lens of characters like Bob Cratchit and Tiny Tim. When Scrooge later travels forward, right, when he travels onward into the Christmas future and he sees a potential reality wherein Tiny Tim has in fact died from his illness, 
That's when the theology really starts to get heavy, and I'm always surprised by this, right? Because it's Bob Cratchit who remarks that life is formed by meetings and partings, right? That we meet people, we're joined into communion and fellowship with them, and yet the reality of life is that eventually death rears its ugly head, right? And that there's these partings now, and we're kind of left with that feeling of, of emptiness, right? We're sort of left with this idea that the parting has, has now signaled that something is not right with the world. And although we hope, right, one day to see these people, once again, it ultimately kind of feels out of place in a children's story, right? We wonder why something so dark comes forward in a story that Dickens intended for his, his children, right? But ultimately, what happens? The conversion of Scrooge, right, has now not just bought life for him, but it's bought life for the community, right? And think about how this is true, right? When he now cares for the Cratchit family, when he lives out his Christian calling, right, as someone to take care of, or someone who's called to take care of his neighbor, ultimately, now new life has become a part of the Cratchit family, right? They no longer have to worry about that parting being a forever one, right? But apply this to our here and now, right? We know that there are partings, right? We know that as time goes on, we're familiar with the fact that there are people who leave our Christmas dinner tables who don't return, right? We are people who, as a result of sin, we experience the effects of sin, which means that death, separation from loved ones, is a part of our day-to-day -day and year-to-year -year experience, right? But this is why we so desperately need that message of Christmas, especially in times like that, and especially around this time of the year when those realizations take place, when we sort of, you know, take an account of what's gone on the year before, right? Because ultimately, Christ Jesus was not content to leave parting be parting, right? He was not content to leave separation between loved ones to be the, the standard, right, and the theme from there on out. Instead, what does he do? Well, Christ Jesus takes on the flesh, right? He, in John 1, becomes one of us. Why? Because that way he can put an end to partings, right? Where now we know that Christ Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. He is resurrected. He is alive, right? And that gift is now ours. And that's a message that we hear, of course, at Christmas, but it's also an Easter message that becomes enveloped in this. Resurrection life is a reality for each Christian, which means what? Well, it means that we will see that loved one again, right? That you will in uh, inherit eternal life and that your sins are forgiven. So in place of partings, we have eternal meetings that are the theme of the Christian church, right? Of course, joined together within the walls of our sanctuary. But again, looking forward to the last day when we will once again enjoy resurrection life. Meeting, joined together in a banquet like we do at our Christmas dinner tables, but now all the more perfect because of what Christ Jesus has accomplished. So what then can we say about Scrooge, about this character that kind of comes up every year around this time? Well, again, we hear that he's all about reclamation, right? His story is a tale that's supposed to be centered upon salvation. And throughout that story, obviously, he encounters those shortcomings, but also joys along the way, right? Highs and lows. And ultimately, what's he forced to do? He's forced to examine his conscience, to look at the way that he has lived out his faith, or lack thereof. And by the end... Scrooge is a lot like us, right? When we've heard the law preached to us, he's crushed by it, and yet he needs something more, right? He craves words of absolution. And I would say each one of us, although we don't like to think it during this time of the year, has the capacity to be someone like Scrooge, right? We can be narcissistic, we can be cruel, we can be hard-hearted towards our neighbor. We can cut ourselves off 
and hurt those around us, especially those whom God has told us to love. We can walk through our lives with our eyes cast down, not looking for that blessed star, not looking for that person in need, turned in upon ourselves. But what do I like about Christmas? Because Christmas is all about those words of absolution. The good news is that Christ Jesus was born to us in a manger, that he lived a perfect life, he served us through that life, that he died upon the cross for our sins, and that he rose again to give us new life. Most importantly, he speaks those words to us each time we gather together within the sanctuary. Whenever we gather around word and sacrament, we hear Christ Jesus speak, you are forgiven. You have heard those words of absolution. And because of that, we're able to see the miracle of Christ's birth and now be changed. We can now be reoriented towards the things of God. We can be little Christs to our neighbor, caring for those in need, caring for those whom God has placed right in front of us. And more importantly, we can point them to real fellowship. We can point them to the fact that through the Holy Spirit, we have communion, fellowship with one another. That despite different walks of life, different disagreements, different people that we might have hurt, we are now tied together and bound together in the fellowship of the Christian church. And that's true every day of our lives, but especially it's true when we gather together to hear the Christmas story within the walls of our sanctuary. So ultimately, our encouragement then from this lesson, from Christmas, from John, is to go to where God has made himself present, right? God has promised, of course, to be in the manger where newborn light shines forth, but God also promises to be wherever two or three people are gathered together in the church. God promises to be wherever the word is proclaimed in its clarity, right, in its fullness. And God has promised to be in our sanctuary as he gives us his very body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. So, of course, we follow the star to the manger, but we can continually, every day throughout the year, follow the star to where God has told us he will be and be comforted by that presence, to be comforted by the love and the light of Christ Jesus that illumines our lives and then leads us to care for those around us. And in the meantime, throughout the rest of this year, as we go into the new year as well, may we continue to pray that the joy and the light of Christ that we feel at this time of the year so strongly would continue to permeate our interactions with one another, would continue to shine forth as we love one another uh, in our, our vocations, right, in our lives alongside of one another. And ultimately, we would pray that Hopefully we are not consumed by just kind of holiday fervor, right? That this isn't just empty sentiment, but instead it would be grounded upon the same love that compelled God to take on flesh and to become one of us. And knowing that that's true, knowing that we are reconciled with God, that Christ Jesus has experienced what we've experienced, that he has lived a life like ours, and that he has loved us and forgiven us through that life, may we take courage in proclaiming that message to one another. May we continue to to hope and to uh, encourage one another in the idea that the atoning life, death, and resurrection of Christ Jesus has made it so that our partings are not forever partings, but instead have taken way, have given way to meetings, right? To meetings between the saints of God and, of course, meetings between our Savior and his church. So ultimately, that's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about, of course, looking to the past, that yes, Christ Jesus has come within time, But Christmas is also about looking forward, looking forward to not just little meals and little gatherings around Christmas, but in fact, the final gathering of the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which will have no end. Because that's what all of this is a preview of. All of the things that we celebrate are a preview of the life that we have received in Christ and the fullness of the gospel 
that has been given to us and that we once again hope for on the last day. And in the meantime, we celebrate. We share the joy of Christ. We love one another. We care for those whom God has placed in front of us. And ultimately, we thank God that we have been converted, that we are no longer Scrooge, but in fact, we are those whom Christ has loved and therefore those who are now able to love one another. Merry Christmas. Amen. Now may the peace that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.